Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. Today, we'll be talking about whether is 2018 the year of GraphQL and will it kill rest once and for all? Oh, so much hype. Oh, so much hype. <laughs> Killing involved and rest. Is it finally going to be put to rest? Oh. Pun intended. Right. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. That's it. Episode over. Done. Boom. No, no. We'll, we'll talk about GraphQL, some of the, the theories behind its creation, and then we'll talk about some, some best practices and the practices behind it. And yeah. the, the rate at which we think the adoption of GraphQL is going to 20 accelerate teen. Hey. Oh, hey. Okay. <laughs> 20 yeah. accelerate teen. Nice. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah. I mean, like, for, for so long, REST has been, like, the standard for how you get data from one place and put it in another place. Often, you know, the back end of your application from your database to the front end but it's 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 interesting a lot of people are kind of rallying against that now i I saw like a pretty opinionated blog post recently asking a question like is rest the new soap just like going that far to be like you know what like the rest promised so much but actually it's just like it's just as bad as xml and like all of the other things that soap had going for it that's definitely not that bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Probably not. Let's start with defining what is GraphQL, or as I read it, GraphQL. GraphQL, or what's the cool? What's the way that people normally say it? So we can yeah, all get just, this right once and for all. Just GraphQL. GraphQL. So it's, it's query language. That's that's the QL part, and it's uh, resolved in a graph of data. So as opposed to like REST, where you have a single endpoint that re- represents an object, you you can get all of your objects in a single query, much like a, a SQL query where you can have joins and all that crazy stuff. Yeah, but like GraphQL is just a standard. Facebook has been developing it internally since like 2012 and they they open sourced it two years ago. And since they open sourced the standard and a reference implementation in JavaScript, it's just like blown up. There's like an implementation pretty much any language that you'd want to program something in. So it makes the retrieval of data easier because you don't have to hit a specific endpoint to get specific data. You can actually request a map of information and then get that back if necessary. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, it, it kind of like uh, improves the developer ex- experience where you know you just have one endpoint now and that endpoint is smart and knows the connection between different pieces of data through like a resolver function. So it's like, okay, this field, if I need to get this field, this is how I'm going to go fetch it. So I'll go to the ORM, I'll get this data, I'll pass it through. And then maybe that field has like other fields inside of it. You know, if you have like a post with like your author and you want to get the author's name, maybe like the author's a different thing. So you, you get the post, then you get the author, then you get the name from that. It's like if you wanted to get the author and the blog post using rest you'd have to hit two endpoints or maybe like hit a deeply nested endpoint and a back-end engineer or somebody who maintains the back-end like the api code base would have to go and make a new endpoint if that was the first time you'd done that before right whereas with graphql you can say well you know i just want a post and i also want a list of all the authors associated with it yeah and And maybe like do that for you maybe with like a rest endpoint 
if you ask for an author, you might also get their like date of birth or like what their favorite color is and other kinds of data <laughs> that like I just don't care about. I just want the name. Uh, I just want to know Bobby wrote this post and I don't need any of your other data. So like GraphQL gives you a way to avoid overfetching data like that. There are ways to do that with REST, but like it's not standard and it's not often something that you see in a REST endpoint. So what I'm hearing, one of the benefits is that you can get, you can post and put exactly the things you want to get or post or put. Yeah, it's like it lets you build the API like on the fly whenever you need it from the front end. You don't you don't have to touch the back end code. So yeah, we've talked mainly about like queries, the, the query part of it. But for posting and putting, like actually with, with GraphQL, everything mostly, depending on the implementation of your server is going to be a post. You don't have like the verbs or the error codes of HTT or of REST, which relies on HTTP, kind of backing you up. You just you post it and then you get a 200 and then it has the information, like be it an error or the fields you're looking for. But if you're trying to like change data, then there's this concept of a mutation where you like apply like a named operation. Like I'm going to add an author to my post and from that named operation, I'll pass in the data. Like, you know, this is the name of the person. This is their favorite color. And I'll give it like a list of like fields that I'll want back, like a query inside that. And so what that like allows you to do is to have like a really smart client that can like update its cache locally after you do a mutation and yeah, just makes it a bit easier for developers. What are some of the advantages that you get by, by having this new type of framework to, you know, retrieve data? So like, first of all, we've mentioned earlier, earlier, like you avoid overfetching. So you only get the data that you want when you want it. Secondly, like GraphQL is typed. So like every field that you get back, you know that it's going to be a string or a number. You know if the field could possibly be empty or null. So as a result of that, like you can kind of have a smarter client that like handles things for you or like a better dev tool experience that uses that stuff. Like there, there's a pretty sweet tool called like Graphical that... It sounds like GraphQL, but it's just there's a little I stuck in there. So it's like an interface for like writing a query. And there's like query completion. You can look at like all the documentation and like explore the schema. So it's like pretty pretty nice developer experience for that. So are there any any tools that developer can use to, you know, further enhance the GraphQL experience? So I mentioned one graphical. Uh, which is a tool to help you like explore the data and write queries and get auto completion. There are some other tools like GraphQL Voyager, which will take your schema and you can zoom around and like see the connections between the different types and you know visually see what what the connection between things are. That's that's a pretty nice one. There's also tools for like mocking your schema. So since it is a typed schema, like it can reply back, you know, intercept calls to the back end and reply back with fake data. Oh, interesting. Like a fake name or a fake address or what have you. Oh, so you can potentially, it's really easy to set up testing environments because you're able to mock out any of the API calls with information that you may not want to use, whether like it's sensitive or. Yeah. Yeah. Basically like it still, still requires some work. And you know, I think we can talk a little bit more about that 
in depth if you want but mm-hmm. yeah we'll so take that in. We'll, t- we'll talk about that in practice and the practice part of this i mean so far graph graphql sounds like it would be much easier for the front-end developer to get whatever data necessary but when when would it be a when would you not want to use graphql so there it can be like kind of challenging if you have a, to gather data from a lot of different places like have a, a deeply nested query so you know it can it can be challenging to optimize sometimes because it's taking a lot of the things that the front end would have to do to like gather all these uh, different data from rest endpoints and normalize it and mush everything together and kind of pushing that complexity onto the back end can you use it with um, no NoSQL databases? I mean, it's a graph API. So it yeah. seems like you'd, you'd think that there would be a way to hook that up to something like Neo4j. So actually, like, there is a stack involving graph database with, with GraphQL. And it's uh, called the Grand Stack. It's GraphQL, React, Apollo, and Neo4j database that's the d (laughs) it's it's kind of a stretch but like (laughs) that's one of them but like really you can use graphql with pretty much anything especially with some of the clients that have been developed for the front end like apollo client people there's a really active community of people who are developing all kinds of adapters to use graphql for every aspect of their lives like people are really passionate about it so you know, not only can you use it like in a more traditional way to like hit a GraphQL endpoint and get the data, but people are making adapters to actually reach out to REST endpoints and like and deal with them using queries like from the front end or deal with local state in the browser using queries as well. So just like completely getting rid of Redux entirely. <laughs> and you know, when when you use a client like Apollo, then you no longer really need to manage as much of like the the state for fetching data as as you did before so you you find like a lot of the code for like normalizing api responses and managing the fetching and error states kind of goes away so that's already like a lot of dependency on redux and uh, state management on the front end that you're getting rid of so people are kind of going all the way with that now Feels like you're just trying to get rid of the back end altogether. Shh. Don't let them know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you still you still need the back end really cuz like you're kind of encapsulating in, in a way you're actually making the front end dumber if you're using GraphQL in, in some ways like because it it doesn't know how to gather all this stuff and the back end implements this like functional approach to resolve all the different fields and glue them together so you're making you're making your front end like less complicated and your your back end a little bit more shh don't let them know we're making it more complicated (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so and i imagine front-end engineers would appreciate the idea of getting that information a lot easier to than do whatever necessary to display it to the user, which is which is happy all around. Yeah. So that's all good in theory, but how does this actually work in practice? Yeah, I mean that's that's a good question. Like there there's a lot of like promise that's there with GraphQL. Like, oh, it makes your life easier in the the front end because you only have to make one request. And it makes your life easier in the back end because 
you know, you just have to think about it in terms of like a simple functional approach to like resolving the fields. So what's the catch? <laughs> so like, I guess like in the front end with Rust, if you have like kind of a, I don't know how to say this out loud, but the Hadoff structure where you have like one resource per endpoint, you might have like an N plus one problem where you're fetching a lot of data and then fetching related data on the front end. But with GraphQL, like you're still going to have that problem even though you only have one request. Like it's, You're just pushing it to the back end. So if you have a lot of nested uh, relations, then you, know, you need to go to each level of that and fetch the related data and then go to the next level and so on and so forth. So um, you, you need to drop down into Roski SQL here in order to fix that? I mean, you can kind of optimize your queries. Like, so you, they're, this is kind of a little bit bleeding edge, but like uh, people are writing better tooling for this. But an easy way to do that is to like select related tables when you're, you're getting data out of your ORM for earlier fields. And then you can pass that down to the subsequent fields that are related. Or you can also use uh, Data Loader, which lets you kind of like aggregate all of the requests for a certain kind of information and then uh, resolve it together. So you kind of end up with, you know, less less requests going out to your database. You can collect it into one big blast ORM to get, you know, all the related fields. There's also like kind of some challenges around like the design principles of the schema, like uh, figuring out how to how to make it really flexible for the front end, but also like limit how flexible you're going to make it. Like you can you can pretty much do anything. So some people like using the relay framework for writing a GraphQL backend. So that kind of gives you some some specific guidelines like using globally unique IDs for the different nodes in the, the graph, the different types that you have, like your author will have a global unique ID and your post will have a global unique ID. And you know, specifying connections between fields in a specific way with like nodes and edges so that you can do like pagination and like describe the relationship a little bit easier. When you mentioned the flexibility in the front end, though, the trade-off being that it's flexible on the front end, but like more complicated in the back end, is that like how it is? Or is it because you can literally do anything with GraphQL, so you have to have some structure to make it comprehensible? Yeah, I mean, like kind of going back to the N plus one thing with like all the, the nested information, like that, that that's kind of a challenge if they resolve. And, you know, figuring out how to scale it. Like a, a lot of bigger companies that use GraphQL, like Yelp and Twitter, like they have they have pretty big uh, GraphQL endpoints that you can use that are public. GitHub is another one. And often in those cases, the GraphQL is kind of a, a layer that glues together a bunch of microservices. So under the hood, they may be reaching out to a REST endpoint to get the data for posts and like uh, another endpoint for authors and then gluing those together. Or it could be like, you know, gRPC or any other like technology to to get that data out. But, you know, that th- th- there's like different scaling concerns with that too. I mean, we all are competent developers who really enjoy testing, as mentioned before in life. Uh, how, does, how does it help with testing endpoints and testing like your front end? Um, I know you mentioned like some that you're able to mock data on the fly with GraphQL. How does that help developers test in the end with their GraphQL or their front end? 
I mean, I guess like with GraphQL, you know what the shape of the data is going to be like, because it's just, it's just going to be JSON coming into your application. So that's, that's pretty easy to, you know, mock out and, and pass into your components like in, in React, like as you, as you would like kind of pass it through it when you're testing something that's connected to Redux. And on the back end, like your resolver function is just a function. So, you know, there's, there's some known inputs and there's an output. So it, there's kind of a, a nice, nice paradigm for, for testing that as well. Like, and also related to testing, like since it is like statically typed, the backend has a schema that it's going to implement with like some, some shape and types and the front end has some queries that it's going to ask with some shape and those fields have types. And so it's easy to like do kind of a linting against those two to say, okay, like, is there any like expectations that are not met between the front end and back end and kind of have like a contract test between the two? Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Everything sounds very great with GraphQL. There has to be some disadvantages. There just has to be. It sounds amazing. Everyone would just stop using REST because we should kill it for 2018. But what are some of the disadvantages in GraphQL that you may see may appear to uh, developers and engineers who pick up this new piece of technology? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty bleeding edge. So when you're working on like optimizing something, it can be challenging to find the right reference or tooling to do it. Like People are developing it all the time and it's like kind of exciting because it's an opportunity that you can contribute back to the community. But you kind of have to be the expert in a lot of situations. You know, there there is a learning curve. Although, like once once everything's in place, it does make your life a lot easier. You know, getting started can be a little bit tricky. Cool. We just went through a conversation on on graphical GraphQL Graph Q Graph Cool GraphQL. It's just don't <laughs> graphical is a thing. Yeah, graphical is a thing. Yeah, graphQL is a thing. GraphQL. We just went in a conversation on GraphQL. Yeah. Wait, hang on a second. Graph Cool is a thing. Yeah, it's a serverless GraphQL. Yo. So I, I thought I was making that up. Oh, I'm obviously not that innovative. Ahead of you. This is bleeding edge stuff. <laughs> GraphQL, <laughs> exactly. serverless, GraphQL, check it out. Have oh. you heard of GraphQuizzle? Oh, GraphQuizzle. Please tell me that's a thing. <laughs> no, it's going to no, be. That's, gonna be that's, that's open in <laughs> the NPM sp- namespace. There you go. go Crap. Yeah, all right. Make sure, William, make sure you get that. And we'll, we'll, we'll think of something afterwards. We get it. And then we'll build something later. That's how, <laughs> that's how we do it. Awesome. Before we wrap up the episode, just want to give a shout out to Dave, who just had submitted a talk to Pi Italia, I think it yeah, is. PyCon Italia. PyCon Italia. And he's going to be talking about this very topic right here. Well, not right here, but in Italy. So shout out, man. I mean, we don't have a, a, a soundboard, but fucking <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's going to be a choose your own adventure with uh, GraphQL for client web services. There you go. When it, When is dope. that? It's going to be in April. Mid-April-ish. Uh, you got you got a lot of uh, rehearsing to do. You gotta you gotta speak Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ra. Yeah, I know the GraphQL. Let's, let's, uh, I don't. I can't Italian for for beans. So. <laughs> it just sounds like Bronx. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Look, he, he, you could do it. You gonna give a talk in, in Italian to Williams? Is that what it is? <laughs> I think it's an English language conference, right? Yeah, yeah. There's some. Uh, there's an Italian track, but. Awesome. A lot of of English speakers as well. 
Oh, that's dope. I'm really happy that you submitted the talk and that it's been accepted and you're out there and you're going and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that YouTube video because I unfortunately won't be able to go. So. Yeah, man, yellow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buy your tickets now, guys. It's going to be lit. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully I can bring my field recorder and like try to interview some people while I'm out there. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, we, I mean, I'm, I imagine we can fit that into the podcast and get some awesome content out of that. Yeah, definitely. Do we have any teach and learns? I learned a whole lot just now with GraphQL. So, Dave, thank you. Thank you for that. Do we have any other teach and learn? Yeah, actually, I got one. I learned something from Dave earlier today. Oh, snap. Teach so, I teach people. <laughs> <laughs> they pay you to teach people. There you go. There's this great tool out for React called Storybook. Mm -hmm. And what it allows you to do is display all of your web components really easily in the browser so that people can go and look at them. And, and it provides different stories so you can configure the component to look different ways. So like if you have a button and you want to show that button, like here's the story of the button when it's disabled. Mm -hmm. And then here's the story of the button when it has an action associated with it or whatever. Then people can go to this page and, and click around and, and explore all the different ways that you can configure that component. What's nice about that is it gives you an isolated place to do your building so you're not reloading the entire page when you want to go and construct a new modification to that component. It serves great as documentation and there's this really cool feature where you can tie in tests. And so on the story page, you can see all your tests at the bottom and whether or not they're passing. And that even ties into your regular test suite. So like if you're using Jest, when you go to run your Jest tests, it'll pick up the stories that you've, or the tests that you've written in Storybook. Mm. Yeah, mad props to Santiago for helping to set that up. Like, he was driving the the bit with that uh, setting up Jest and Storybook, and I, I think that's going to be a big one. And if you want to work with Santiago, who, by the way, is an amazing dude, his company is actually hiring in Madrid right now. So check out juraccess.com and go to their careers page. Oh, dope. Uh, props. Shout out to Santiago. Cool. That wraps up this episode. Shout out to the co-hosts. The man himself, thank you for coming on down. GraphQL, we learned the thing or two. Yeah, thanks, man. And our producer, constantly producing and making sure the space is amazing to learn about GraphQL like today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm Michael Nunez. Feel free to hit us up at twitter.com slash radiofreerabbit. And if you haven't, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe. This is The Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time.